Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of Movie Dudes. Not not any episode of Movie Dudes. Not only is it our 10th episode, it's also technically our official Halloween episode yeah. because we're going to be talking about we are going to be talking about The Shining. Yes, we are. Uh, hell yeah, which uh is one of my favorite films of all time, but also Alex's favorite film of all time based based on our top 10 list that we made on episode 0. Mm-hmm. And I still I still stand by that because watching The Shining again for this episode has only reinforced it for like the fifth time how much I, I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, same for me. It was my second time watching it. Holy shit, that was, that was a good film. <laughs> uh, so, all right, technically, I would be the one to like uh, go through the entire like synopsis of the film. But since it's your favorite film, do you want to do that? Um... Uh, we could we could do it together. You could you could sure, start sure. it, and I could I could fill uh, in some holes or something. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna start it. I'm Go ahead. It. All right. So the film is about the Torrance family. Um, Jack Torrance, his wife Wendy, and his son. Uh, what's his son's name? Danny. Uh, Danny. Danny. Uh, basically, uh, a family who is asked to be the caretakers of the. Uh, the Overlook Hotel, is that what it's called? Yes. Yeah, which is a hotel kind of like in the middle of nowhere in Colorado um, that's being closed for the winter because it's too expensive to like, um, you know, take care of it during the winter. And so uh, they do that. And while they while they do it, a lot of weird stuff happens, uh, mainly the, the father, Jack, becomes slowly... He's slowly becoming mad and does a lot of weird stuff. He has, like, hallucinations, that kind of stuff. Not to mention uh, Danny, who even before they went to the hotel, already had, like, some weird stuff. You know, he had, like, uh, an imaginary friend, which is what the... You know, that's that's what the, the adults called it. But it's honestly much more than that. Uh, which, you know, an, ima- an imaginary friend that, like showed him stuff from the future or from the past or whatever and just a just a, a bunch of weird shit happening until uh the the end of of the film where um jack starts trying to kill his family with an axe and uh why don't i don't know if you if you want to keep going from uh from there i can yeah i can i can fill in like Pretty much everything that happened because I literally <laughs> I watched it this yeah. morning because I've been really busy and I hadn't had a chance to watch it until today. Um, but uh, yeah. so yeah, Jack is at the beginning of the movie uh, hired to become the caretaker of the Overlook Hotel during the winter months. Um, and upon arriving with his family, they just kind of you know walk around. Danny starts seeing uh, visions of past events at the hotel and. Uh, Eventually, they meet um, pretty much like the only other main character in the movie, uh, the uh, the uh, the hotel's head chef, uh, Dick Halloran, played by uh, Scatman Crothers, and uh, he is uh, he you know sits down with Danny once you know the parents are off you know doing whatever uh, official stuff they had to do with the hotel's owner, and he basically. He, tells Danny that what he has is not like or is is more than just like an imaginary friend he has uh, an ability that Dick's grand uh, grandmother used to call uh, shining um, and that Danny and him can communicate 
on kind of like a, a different level that doesn't require uh, them physically being there. They can basically communicate with uh, their minds together. Um, and then, uh, you know, they, they settle in for the, for the winter. Uh, and pretty much like, uh, <laughs> like you said, Phil, it just kind of, they, it kind of like goes along throughout the, throughout the months. And we see um, Jack slowly, you know, lose himself. Uh, and kind of give in to uh, certain things about himself uh, that he didn't want, or that he uh, that he was probably just you know hiding because uh, he's had a past of being abusive with his family, um, and obviously there's part of the the hotel egging him on. Stuff stuff we'll get into later, um, but about near the near the end of the movie, uh, Danny. Uh, pretty much calls upon uh, Dick Halloran using The Shining. And, you know, uh, Dick decides to go back to the Overlook. And he goes there on the exact day that Jack goes crazy and tries to kill his entire family, which leads us into the the ending sequence of The Shining. <laughs> um, but I guess uh, now would be probably a good time to get into uh, just kind of our specifics of what we liked about the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you have anything that you want to start with? Um, I, I mean, I have a few things written down. Um, yeah. But I, I noticed something on this viewing more than I have on any other viewings. Because I've seen this movie probably like five or six times in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably like once a year for every year that I've known its existence. It's like six years. Yeah. Um, uh, so on this viewing, I noticed more than anything, cause obviously like on other viewings, you'll notice like surface level stuff, like the, you know, just kind of the, the scary moments, the strangeness of everything going on. But once you see the movie a couple times, maybe even like more times than that, you start to notice just this weird underlying, like the horror to everything going on. Like it's, I don't quite know how to describe it. It's just very, very weird. You get the sense that something, something other than what you're being shown is wrong with everything that's mm-hmm. happening. Um, and one thing in particular I noticed on this viewing was um, the way that this movie uses like uh, isolation and like uh, stillness to kind of, uh, yeah. Like elevate its horror. Like the the way that normal horror films, I guess, are shot is like very very tight camera angles, very like kind of hiding everything that's in view. The Shining shows you all of that. Like all of its mm-hmm. shots are extremely wide. Even its yeah. like even its close up shots were were done with wide angle lens. And, yeah, and yeah. not only that, also like. Just in general, there's so many ways that the film, this one's not filmed the, the way that most horror movies are shot. But another thing that I noticed is, you know, most horror films are said like at night when everything is dark and you don't see a lot of stuff. There's always a lot of light in pretty much any scene in The Shining. So it's not because usually in horror movies, it's a question of like what you can't see. Uh, but in The Shining, it's a, it's a question of... Um, where is the danger coming from even though you, you can see everything, you know? It's more of like 
The Shining's horror is uh, like it. The Shining's horror doesn't really creep in until you start to think about what you can't like even perceive that's wrong yeah. with everything that's going on. It's just, mm. I there's such a weird atmosphere with this movie <laughs> um, yeah. that like continues to pull me back every time I watch it, and there's. I don't know. Okay, you can go with your next thing because I want to. I want to save my next thing for like a little bit into our discussion. Sure. All right. Uh, well, I have a bunch of like pretty specific stuff. Go just ahead. Like, uh, well, so first of all, the intro. Uh, we've talked a l- about a lot of uh, a lot of intros in our uh, previous episodes, but this is another example of a great intro. Just the the many shots of uh, Jack driving in this long and empty road in like the woods. Uh, with these this like creepy ominous music uh and i just think it's it's so great like especially that's another thing in general the music in this film is so good uh it's not quite what we're generally generally used to in terms of like horror movie soundtracks but it, it's i don't know there's something really great about it uh and definitely very creepy about it hold on what do i have uh Oh yeah, also the chapters. I think the chapters are very neat. Yeah, um, it's it's really like mm-hmm. at first cuz it's at first it's like the kind of like theme of the of the chapter kind of like what's going on during it. Like the first one is the interview, the second one is like closing day. But then you start to yeah. get to like non-specific days of the week and then the final two chapters are just times of the day. Yeah. And also like the more um, the more you go into the film, the closer the chapters are together in terms of in terms of time. Uh, like the, it, it, at some point it's like days of the week, then it's uh, like a few hours in between, and it's like much closer in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is more like you know the the danger is coming, you know. Um, there's that's something that I want to get to later as well because I have a lot a lot of stuff to say about it is how much like foreshadowing the film does um which is like uh, there's some obvious stuff like for example uh the music which is you know the not, not very subtle but uh you know it's worth mentioning but also some like more uh well i guess i can kind of like go into it because i actually I, I actually don't have as much stuff as i thought i did actually about that one but one one of my favorite uh, favorite things about foreshadowing is uh the transitions mm-hmm. um which which are like a um like how do you call that when it's like uh it fades in yeah. That's what I was looking for. And uh, there's one in particular that I love. is uh, So the first scene is Jack, uh, who, who can't find the uh, any ideas to write a, the, his book. So he's just like throwing a ball at the wall and throwing it again and again. And it uh, transitions to um, Wendy and Danny who are walking uh, to, to get into the labyrinth. And the way it's done, it almost looks like there's a giant uh, Jack throwing a, a ball at Wendy and Danny which is like hmm she's going down <laughs> and even in the same in the same scene um obviously the first scene where you uh 
the first scene where you see the the labyrinth, which is, no, no, not the first scene, but the first scene where they go into the labyrinth, which is obviously going to be very important later on. But uh, it's also like uh, there's a really uh, cool thing in this scene where you've you've got this shot of uh, Jack looking at a, a miniature version of the labyrinth in the room, mm-hmm. and then you've got what you think is. Uh, going to be a shot of that miniature labyrinth, but the more it zooms in, the more you you realize that no, it's a sh- uh, it's a shot of the actual labyrinth because you see <laughs> Wendy and Danny walking in it. It's like whoa! I didn't. I, that's a surprise. It just it but, adds uh, it adds even yeah. more to just the mm-hmm. uneasiness and almost supernatural feeling of the way that the movie tells mm-hmm. its story. And you mentioned this. Uh, you yeah. mentioned this a little bit earlier with uh, the music, and I wanted to talk about that uh, too, mm-hmm. um, because yeah. there isn't much, I guess, typical music in the movie. But the score um, is extremely like you get this. I, I don't even know how I would describe it. It's more just kind of. It's not aggressive, but it's like foreboding in every scene where the music is prominent, even with like scenes where scenes where two characters are talking and it's supposed to be uneasy you'll get this song with a or this a uh, kind of like like kind of like a very quiet uh set like tone setting of like music in the background but for some reason there'll just be like a heartbeat added into the score that just makes it just feel all the more strange yeah. there's um there's mm-hmm. one specific thing and I wanted to I guess I'll bring this up now because it is my favorite thing currently about the movie. I don't know what it is, but there is so much like horror in um, in the way that the movie portrays uh, the Overlook as, I guess, a a ghost of its own due to like 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 the scene. It all starts where Jack walks into the uh the gold ballroom and it's full of people um and you know he runs into um uh, a butler who ends up being uh ends up being the guy who was the caretaker before uh Jack Torrance who uh killed his family uh and was mm-hmm. the father of the you know the two girls that are like the most iconic thing about the shining you know, the come play with us, Danny. Um, but, uh, the way that like it, the way that the movie uses, I guess the, like the ballroom music, the 30, the thirties aesthetic and everything around that is just so weird (laughs) that like, I always Mm -hmm. feel uneasy during those scenes in such a, incredible way that no other movie I've ever watched has been able to like recreate mm-hmm. I guess that's 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 the main thing that The Shining yeah. has over right. most other horror movies I've seen is just ambiguity because it doesn't show you much it doesn't really show you that much in terms of like mm-hmm. what is actually happening but that just leaves so much mm. room <laughs> for your brain to go wild <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so you said you said something that I find uh, very interesting that I want to uh, th- th- that I want to say because I discovered something recently that 
blew my mind. And from what you said, I, I'm pretty sure you don't know about it. But so here's the thing. Um, yeah, they're in the ballroom, uh, as you said. Jack meets the 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 guy who uh, apparently is the uh, previous caretaker who ended up killing his uh, his daughters and everything. But here's the thing: the guy says that his name is, I think it was uh, Delbert Gra uh, Grady. Yes. But the thing is that in the beginning of the film, uh, the the owner of the hotel says that the previous caretaker is named Charles Grady. What? And not only oh. that, he says that his uh, daughters were aged 8 and 11 or 12. So they were not twins. Which means that the guy he meets in the ballroom was not the uh, the previous caretaker. And more importantly, the twins in the, the previous scene are not the, the kids that were killed by the previous caretaker. They are other kids that were killed at probably a previous time. That's creepy. I never, that's fucked up. That's weird. I never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the kind of thing you think about it and you're kind of like, how the fuck did I never notice that before? <laughs> like, it seems so obvious. But <laughs> like, no, that's so fucked up. <laughs> it's like that's fucking fucking Stanley Kubrick. Like, you know, there's so, so many like little details you never notice. Um... Because like I watched before we started the episode, I watched a, a, like this big video that had that showed like a bunch of uh, you know those kinds of details about the film. And yeah. another one, kind of similar, is throughout the first forty-five minutes of the film, I think there's uh, a sound effect that is just like kind of like a voice whispering, like "hush," something like that, that comes back. I think like fifteen or sixteen times in the film, and. Um, like whether it's during the interview or when they're uh, uh, showing the hotel, and you're kind of like, why did I never notice this sound effect? <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, no, I this this movie is filled with such little things here and there, and uh, another bigger thing that like I've been wanting to explore for a while is just like the way that Stephen King hates this adaptation. <laughs> Um, which I don't know if you... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is so, like... Mm -hmm. I understand it. I understand why he does, because it's it's not... Very it's, different. It's Yeah, it's very different. I've never read the book, um, but from what I know, it's, like, extremely different from Stephen King's original intentions. Yeah. Um, but seeing clips of... Uh, so, okay, in 1997... Uh, Stephen King made his own version of The Shining uh, into a uh, three-part miniseries. Uh, and it is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's not scary at all. So... <laughs> no. It's like... I, I I gotta say, it. Like I usually like when stuff sticks to the source material. But if you're gonna make it better, this is the way to do it. Like, I... Yeah. I, I want to read the I want to read the original Shining, but I'm I'm afraid, I'm afraid that I'm not gonna like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the the main thing that I heard about the differences between um, the the book and the movie is that the the movie is much more focused on Jack, while the book is much more focused on Danny, and especially the whole thing about uh, the Shining. Because when you think about it, in the movie. Um, 
the 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 actual thing of the shining the the, the like power is not that important in the story not too uh, much no. at least not enough to be <laughs> not enough to be the title when you think about it um from from what i know that's the main difference but yeah i'm i probably i probably should read the shining at some point i probably will oh yeah no i intend to as well Oh yeah, something also that I uh, realized uh, a bit before I watched the film was that I actually I, I didn't know that, but there's two versions of the film. The, there's a uh, like theatrical release and there's a European version. Really? Uh, and there's quite a bit. There's quite a big difference between them. Uh, there's a difference of like twenty minutes, I think. Uh, Twenty minutes that were cut from the film, so like the theatrical release, the like official one, I guess, is uh, two hours and twenty minutes, and the European version is only two hours. And I don't know how I did that, but the first time I watched the film without knowing it, I ended up accidentally watching the European version. Really? So there was a few, yeah, there was a few, there were a few scenes that I hadn't seen because uh, they were cut off. Because like now I watched it on my Shining Blu-ray, which. Uh, uh, has the American version, but for example, um, the scene at the beginning when uh, there's a, a doctor that comes to to check on Danny, that scene is not in the European version, hmm. uh, which is stupid because like the the first time the first moment in the film where they mentioned that um, Jack uh, Jack punched uh not not punched but was a bit abusive with uh with Danny and dislocated his shoulder uh is not there so the first time that you hear about it is in the the, the first time that uh Jack is talking to Lloyd and is complaining about uh Wendy which is pro- probably at this one we probably should have heard about it before yeah that's that's interesting was that the only thing was that the only problem yeah. scene that was cut um well, that's the only one that I also that I remember is like the um, hallucinations that Wendy had uh, at the end of the film. Like, for example, the when she gets into the the the, the big room where like all the the spider webs and the skeletons and all that kind of stuff. That one's cut out. Um, I, mean, I think the elevator is still in the Euro- European cut, but and I know for a fact that the. A uh, guy in a bear suit giving a blowjob. That one's also in the, uh, in the European version. But okay. yeah, was, that's weird. I was worried <laughs> when you were when you were saying like <laughs> the hallucinations. I was like, oh no, was this the first time that no, he saw the worry. bear? <laughs> it was not the first time that I saw the bear. I knew about it, but yeah, no, I don't know. I should hold on. I sh- I'm just gonna re- check real quick, try to find why they did that. But you can go on with your. Uh, something else you'd like to talk about um i guess like the main final thing i wanted to talk about uh was was um how perfect i think the ending shot is um which i can Mm -hmm. i can go on about for a bit (laughs) Um, yeah oh yeah sure on here obviously we've talked about like how perfect some of the endings of our film of the films that we've discussed are um but the shining has what might be my favorite ending shot of all time uh because well certainly is very iconic though oh yeah because you get obviously there's 
you know, in the in the final in the final little bit, there's, uh, you know, Wendy and Danny escape. Danny, you know, leads uh, Jack through the maze where he gets lost, uh, and then they escape, and then they cut to we get to, we got to a really jarring shot of a uh, of Jack Torrance like you know dead with like icicles coming out of his nose, uh, but. Right after that, we get this extremely slow lead-in with ballroom music in the background into a picture of a 1932 uh, New Year or a 4th of July uh, ball in the ballroom. And, you know, there's all the all people around, but sitting there right in the middle or right at the forefront of the picture is Jack Torrance, like with his arms outstretched, wearing a suit, smiling. And it is the most baffling and, like, confusing thing in the entire movie. Because it yeah. makes no sense about, like, it, it, it's, it, it, makes, it makes just enough sense, I guess I'll say. Like, to the point where, like, it's not, mm. not like, dumb. Because it's, like, I don't know what, I, I keep saying this, I just don't know how to explain the way that, the way that yeah. the movie kind of subtly gets at me with those like scary moments but that scene is so or that just even just that shot of the picture with uh with Jack in it with the music in the background almost like it makes me think more on everything that just happened in the movie with like you know with Lloyd with um Grady with just the entire ballroom like the like like the hotel has absorbed every every horrible thing that's ever happened there and it's become its own force of um its own its own mm-hmm. force of evil almost it's so yeah. strange <laughs> cuz like yeah cuz i uh the first time i saw the film i already knew quite a lot of stuff about it uh especially like the iconic stuff of course um, like for example, the shot with uh, Jack frozen to death. Mm-hmm. But I had somehow I had never heard about this particular scene, and when I saw you know Fourth of July nineteen twenty one with Jack's face in the middle, yeah, that was one of the biggest what the fuck I ever <laughs> heard watching a movie. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, I was. I was shocked. Like, and it's like, you know, everything else in the film that's kind of weird. There, there is some. There are a few theories that are like that makes sense. This is the only thing. Like, you know, this is not a random thing. There is a particular reason why this is in the film. There, mm-hmm. There's, you know, I what is it? I have no clue. <laughs> and it's. It feels feel yeah. Like that's, but, it, it feels entirely yeah. purposeful, but it makes no sense. Yeah. it's like whoa. yeah, it's like it's probably the biggest mystery of the film. Mm-hmm. That like even forty years after the film's release, everyone's still not quite sure about its meaning. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, so I because like all, yeah. when I had seen the movie, all I knew about was obviously like the you know the here's Johnny scene. Um, I knew about, um, 
like the yeah the the, if, the twins the twins yeah in the final shot of Jack frozen in the ice but I had no idea about about you know the final shot and for some reason for somehow throughout my entire life before I saw this movie like all 13 years leading up to me actually seeing the movie I had never known what the actual room 237 scene was about yeah um because yeah yeah like it's you know Danny comes back and he's like all all like mar- he got marks on him and his shirt's ripped and Jack goes to investigate the the room and finds you know uh, a naked woman taking a bath uh and you know he begins you know making out with the woman uh and then it is revealed that the woman is actually a like rotting like all, like almost zombie uh, of a person uh it's like a of a much older woman uh and she begins to laugh and we get these we get these horrifying intercuts of like the rotting woman like rising out of the bathtub it's so unsettling yeah <laughs> it is probably honestly probably the the most objectively terrifying thing about this movie everything else is like subtext yeah i say so like everything else is subtext, but that scene on its own is like scary. <laughs> mm. Um. By the way, I found an answer to uh, why there's a uh, European version, mm-hmm. and uh, so the reason, kind of like uh, the ant scene, we don't really know. Uh, there's a few theories. We know for a fact that the uh, the the changes between the original and the European versions were. Uh, decisions that that were took by uh, Stanley Kubrick, but why he? We don't know if it's that he wanted to cut it or if uh, he was asked to cut it. The the theory that makes the more sense uh, to me is that the like he he was asked for the U- European release to cut the film to cut some scenes in the film because it was too long and. Um, no, apparently that that was something that the uh, Amer- American audiences were already like didn't like ab- uh, about it. Uh, one that I saw that I think is stupid and makes no sense is that Stanley Kubrick apparently thought that uh, Europeans were smarter and didn't need as many scenes as like context as to what what was happening because yeah. most of the scenes and that's something that I realized uh, thinking about it. Most of the scenes that were cut from uh, the original version were scenes uh, at the beginning of the movie. And that's something that makes sense because I know for a fact that when I was watching the film yesterday, I noticed how it took a, a, a much longer time for the Torrance to be uh, alone in the hotel. It, it happens like 35... Yeah, I wrote... It happened uh, 35 minutes after the beginning of the film and I thought like, man, that's pretty long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, but that's something that I wrote is the the film definitely takes its time at the beginning. Uh, definitely tries its best to like show you everything that you need to know. Um, and that's another thing that I forgot to mention in terms of foreshadowing is how like when they visit the hotel, everything that they uh, that the film shows is something that's gonna come back later in the film, whether it's the snow cat, uh, the ballroom, the maze, or the um, the the kitchen it's also it's they're all parts that are gonna have some form of importance later on mm-hmm. it's just it's uh, it's just brilliant yeah. 
<laughs> I think, mm-hmm. yeah. un- unlike any movie we've talked about so far, I think it's just perfect all the way through. Because I can't, I can't think of a reason that that's why more than more than any other reasons, I would probably say that The Shining is my favorite movie ever. Is because I, I genuinely can't think of a thing to criticize it on. <laughs> Um, yeah like other other than like obviously my own personal tastes uh looking at it objectively it's just like i can't like it's <laughs> there's nothing wrong with the shining in my mm-hmm. eyes yeah like i don't um i don't really like to call like some other people do i don't really like to call stanley kubrick the greatest director of all time mainly because i think that giving someone this title is stupid and useless and you can't find any good way to give someone the title uh, in the accurate way but this film definitely not only is in my opinion his best film it's also his um well, yeah, no, it's just, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. It's his best film, the one where he had the most, like, uh, the best ideas. And, uh, you know, I definitely have to, have to watch some more of his films because I still have yet to watch some of his bigger ones like Clockwork Orange or Barry Lyndon. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't I still, think I, I that any yet. of his films will, yeah. I still have yet to see most of his films, actually. Um, uh, which one have you, Which ones have you seen? I've seen. Hold on, let me. I'm actually gonna look because I know I've seen one other. I've, I know I've seen. I've seen Full Metal Jacket, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same. but I want to see if there's anything else. So I feel like I had to have, right? <laughs> um, uh, I guess not. Yeah, no. Hmm. Okay, The Shining and uh, Full Metal Jacket. All right. Well. I got uh, well. I've seen The Shining, obviously. Uh, I've seen Full Metal Jacket because I found the the Blu-ray a few months ago, and so I watched it. Obviously, loved it. Um, I I've seen Doctor Strange Love because I bought the Criterion a few months ago. Um, I didn't like it as much as I thought I would, but it's obviously a good film. Mm-hmm. Just. Uh, I'm dis. I don't want to spoil anything, but like I'm disappointed by the character of Doctor Strange Love. Mm. I will say that. Uh, and the other film that I've seen from him is 2001: Space Odyssey, which I I saw first of all way too young, and second of all not in the right conditions to watch it. This is a film that you have to watch definitely in a in a movie theater, and I watched it in my uh, living room with like the my family just talking uh, around and so like it was impossible for me to be immersed in the film so that's mm. definitely a film that i'm gonna have to watch again at some point but i remember that also i saw some when i was like 14 years old which is not when you should watch 2001 but <laughs> yeah. i know for a fact that like when i when i'm gonna watch it and like hopefully in a movie theater uh, i'm gonna have a much better time watching it yeah like i watched i think okay i watched the shining when i was 13 and i watched full metal jacket when i was 14 i am surprised that i liked full metal jacket as much as i did (laughs) when i was when i was that young Mm -hmm. uh the shining the shining makes sense it was kind of like the shining and uh the wes anderson movies i watched around that time kind of laid the foundation for uh 
the the type of the type of uh film person I would become in the future. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it 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 like uh I, what, what would the word be? It it kind of aw- awakened my mind of like whoa, movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um but what uh, what's interesting about Shining is I think if you show that to a bunch of random um, bunch of random teenagers who like to watch horror movies, they're not going to like it because they're going to come out of it thinking, oh, it wasn't scary enough. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, the kind of people who have fun watching films like, uh, I don't know, just like the sh- shitty... Uh, shitty horror films that come out every year that are just like, ooh, jump scare. Now get the fuck out. Uh, (laughs) I think, okay. Like, yeah. What what I'm about to say is not knocking uh, my girlfriend at all because I think her her opinion on The Shining (laughs) is absolutely hilarious uh, because we watched it together for the first time last year. Uh, And (laughs) after Mm. the movie, I I was like, so what would you think? And she was like, it was good, I think. It's weird, <laughs> and I was like, I was like too, I was like too weird for, I was like too weird for like, like you to you to be like completely into. And she's like, yes. <laughs> Which like hearing oh, that, really? hearing that, there is no chance in hell that she would ever like like house or like <laughs> anything oh, like yeah. that. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, that's that's disappointing. <laughs> Not entirely disappointing as it is just kind of funny yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it's, I love that. Well, it's interesting how, like, you know, Sally Kubrick is far from being a uh, horror director. Right. Like, the only f- other film that he's made that I think is close to a horror film is A Clockwork Orange, which, from what I heard, is not really scary as much as it is, like, brutal. Right. Um, and so it's you know he, it's interesting to have a director such as Stanley Kubrick who you know has made the film that he did before, uh, to see what his take at making a horror film is like. Um, I think that's very interesting, and I feel like there are some other directors who have never made a horror film, but that I'm curious about what it would be like. Um. Well, one of those examples is actually someone who has made a horror film this year, but I've yet to see it, and it's Edgar Wright. Mm. But that's I, gonna, I actually will be yeah. seeing that within the week. Oh, yeah, I think... I don't know when I'm going to be watching it, but I'm going to try to watch it as soon as possible. <laughs> like, I know I'm going to... Just side tangent. I'm not yeah. going to be watching Dune this Saturday. Mm, okay. And uh, I might... I might try to uh, watch Last Night in Soho in the same day. I'm watching uh, French Dispatch this Thursday. Alright. Because my my theater uh, kind of I, I was I was planning on seeing it last weekend, but my theater messed up and accidentally listed it for last weekend, and they're like, "Whoops, we don't we don't have it until uh, the 28th." And I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing for me because, like, uh, everywhere on the internet, it says that it, it came out uh, back on Friday at the same time as uh, 
as uh, Dune, but apparently yeah. it's actually coming out uh, next week, so I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be watching it. Yeah, but yeah, I'll I'll hopefully be seeing Last Night in Soho uh, in the same weekend, but I'm not too sure. Definitely soon though, probably before, mm-hmm. definitely before our next recording. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, next week next week we're gonna have a bunch of movies to talk about. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um. Let's see with uh, with, yeah. with the shining. Um, yeah, I think I said mainly all I wanted to say. Um, do you have any other things written down? Sure, I do. Hold on. Uh, um, that's mostly all I had to say. One of the last thing. Well, that's uh, a, th- a thing that I think is important to talk about whenever we're having a uh, conversation about the shining is about the actors and more specifically Shelley Duvall mm. and ha- the way that she was treated by Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, well, all right. Yesterday I, um, I discovered that my Blu-ray of the shining not only had the movie, but it was also had a, uh, documentary about the making of the film, which was directed by Stanley Kubrick's daughter, who basically had a camera, uh, while they were shooting the film and she just like filmed a bunch of stuff. And there were a few interviews with uh, Danny and Shelley Duval and that kind of stuff. And there was a big part at the end where that was specifically about that. And uh, y- there's so many weird shit. And it's like, you know, obviously Stanley Kubrick like knew how to make movies and knew different kind of stuff. And... Like, it's crazy how uh, there's always people that say, like, you can't criticize Stanley Kubrick because, you know, some people try to treat him like a god, which is so unhealthy. But yeah. there's some people <laughs> that try to def- defend him, uh, trying to say, like, that this is what he thought was uh, uh, was important to get the best performance. But, like, I'm sorry. I've seen a lot of amazing performance that didn't... Uh, n- require the actors to get like uh very badly treated and you see like Stanley Kubrick saying to the crew don't sympathize with Shelly you see moments where literally Shelly Duvall's like pulling uh like hair out hairs out just being like this is my hair is falling out due to the stress yeah that kind of stuff and it's like it's fucked up it is it certainly is it's like um I don't really okay. There is yeah. a few things like obviously I I don't like the treatment of Shelley Duvall uh, during during it, um, but I would be lying if it didn't if I said it didn't come out with some you know extremely crazy uh, performances that will last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but obviously no one should be <laughs> treated like that. Yeah. Um I will say though one one tactic of Stanley Kubrick uh during the making of this movie with the actors kind of fascinated me a bit. And that was his tactic of um for most of the important uh performance scenes he would he would do the same scene like he would he would have like 40 takes of it, like an insane amount. Yeah. Um and this would like by by the end of the takes, this would have the actors doing all of their lines in very like 
strange, inhuman ways uh, that just make the movie's like atmosphere mm-hmm. just that little bit more strange. Which, like, obviously, there's a lot to be said about like the ethics of doing of doing that um, mm-hmm. in in a you know in a movie scene sense. Um, but the way that like the, I, I'm trying to think of how to word this, just the the feeling of um yeah. of how that was done, you know, ethically a lot could be said about it, but I think it comes out with just some of the greatest performances I've ever seen, especially from Jack Nicholson and Shelley yeah. Duvall. But yeah, Stanley Kubrick. Uh, <laughs> well, mm-hmm. his uh, well, his actually his from what I were a bit strange. Yeah. Well, what I from what I heard, it wasn't exactly from him being an asshole. Well, whether or not he he was an asshole can like his, uh, it should be the it's kind of debatable in my opinion. But from what mm-hmm. I heard, uh, it the way he treated his actors was really like his way of getting the best perf- performance from them. And uh, from what I've heard, he was only uh, he only worked that way with uh, Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, and. Uh, uh, the actor who played the the head chef. Yeah. Besides that, like he was very nice to the crew and very nice to Danny. Which, I mean, I fucking hope you're not. Oh, of course. Like shouting at a kid. Um. But th- this whole thing is like up to debate. It's but in my opinion, I don't think that uh, director should do that no. to, to get the best performance from his uh, actors. But it is interesting how like. Uh, the the well, you you mentioned how he made how many things he would make, and I know that that's not just for this film. I know that it's, it was for a, some of his other films that he did that. But the best example is the scene where the the, the first scene where really like uh, Jack is, uh, you know, she he, uh, he's basically saying how like he's. I don't. I don't remember what he says, but it's when like he they're going up the the stairs, and when he has like a knife, and she's uh. You know the first one where it really it's like she should be scared of Jack. You know. Yeah. Are you talking? Yeah, are you, you talking about the one where? About? Are you talking about the one where she has the uh, bat? Oh yeah, she does. Yeah, it's with the bat, and where she he uh, she, uh, beats him in. Yeah, the, um, yeah. Where he goes like I'm not gonna in the head. And he falls I'm not gonna down. hurt you. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna chop you up or something. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, and and uh, that scene, I looked it up. Uh, they shot a 127 takes. Oh my god! Which I, from what I've heard, is the world record <laughs> for the most takes in in uh, one scene. That does not. Which is not surprising. Yeah, that does not surprise me. <laughs> 127 takes, that's absurd. And when you look at it, like, or when you watch the scene, Shelley Duval is, like, she looks... Wendy looks exhausted, mainly because Shelley Duval probably was. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, that's... Is it? Okay. That's a pretty fucked up thing. Is it true, yeah. or is it just a rumor that uh, Shelley Duval was not made aware of the... of the, um... of the whole, like, chopping down the door thing? I remember it was some it was some story back in like like early internet days where it was like oh yeah Shelley Duvall didn't know about that thing mm-hmm. at all and so you know her screams are like actual in in that take um so um there's 
it, as I said, I watched the the making of the film, and there's quite a few. Uh, the, at least the fact I think the final like ten minutes of the film uh, of the the making of are about this specific scene, and from what they show, it makes no sense. The 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 way they uh, they they handle it, it makes no sense that she wouldn't know about of it. Of course. Um, and another thing is, like if that's actually what they did. I don't think that she would have had that kind of of uh, of uh, reaction. You know, she. I, I don't know. She I, probably her actual reaction would have been like, "Oh shit, what the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I I'm pretty sure that's just a rumor from early internet days. Oh yeah. I, I highly doubt that this is true. That always it always sounded wrong to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, There's. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of rumors like that of like, oh that the they got a real reaction from that actor by doing this thing that they didn't uh, they didn't plan. Like uh, another one that I heard is in uh, the the T Rex scene from Jurassic Park where the T Rex is like uh, it, it, he broke like the the top window of one of the cars. Yeah, and uh, w with the kids in, and they said that, like that's uh, that wasn't supposed to happen, but it just made the <laughs> the, the performance so much more realistic. That's, It's like that's not true. <laughs> I don't think so. I I doubt that this is true. <laughs> If that is true, I'm very impressed. But no, that's there's no way. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, but just to end the thing with, uh, uh, with the way the Shelly Fowl was, uh, treated the thing that I think is interested is, is how at, at the end of the making of it ends with an interview of Shelly Duval, who that was like after they, uh, I think it was like a few weeks or months after they were done, uh, shooting the film and she talked about her experience and she said how like, uh, You know, she didn't like it at first, but she, in re in retrospect, she thinks it was a good idea because she ended up learning more uh, f in one film that she had learned from any film in her entire career. Hmm. And um, there's some weird stuff to say about that, especially when you know, like, how... Sh I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't remember exactly what happened to Shelley Duval, but I know she got a lot of, like... Uh, Men mental health issues. Mm. Uh, like there was, there was the, the whole thing where with like her uh, Doctor Phil episode, which I don't know if you saw. Uh, no, I haven't seen that. Well, she was in an episode with uh, uh, Doctor Phil that just made her seem like, and apparently the it, there was a lot of stuff that had been like uh, changed to make her look crazy but like she was talking about that that was back in 2016 and she was talking about how like uh robin williams wasn't actually dead and that kind of stuff oh, um, God. and you know from what i heard like she does have mental health issues and everything but she's not necessarily like a crazy old lady you know she's a More like a, a sweet old lady with some health issues that we should all just leave alone. Leave her uh, <laughs> with her life. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, let me see if there's anything else that I want to talk about. Yeah, I hope. Cause I, I feel like I have something else. Yeah. I hope. I hope all the actors are are, are doing good. I obviously. Yeah. Obviously, Jack Nicholson's retired now. Um, Which I didn't know about actually. Yeah. Yeah, he's been. Like, I I learned that. I I learned that yes uh yesterday when I was looking at some uh thing, some things with the cast and I always thought that like he had taken a a a long break but I always heard that like he was uh, uh he would do a, a comeback at some point and then I saw that like he he Jack Nicholson never actually went and said that he uh had retired but it was actually the the director of Doctor Sleep, who in an interview said that he wanted Jack Nicholson to come back for Doctor Sleep, uh, but that he was retired, so he wouldn't do it. Mm. Which I mean, let's be fair. The guy's eighty-four years old. Yeah, he's he deserves to be. Ret- he's getting up there. They, yeah. They're getting up there. It makes sense that they're not yeah. showing up too I mean, much anymore. You know, he had a fifty-year-long career with three Academy Awards, and you know, just look at the amount of films that he's made. He doesn't need to make more movies. He's yeah. done enough. He's 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 done he's done his share. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that I thought was interesting is uh, Danny Lloyd, who played Danny Torrance, uh, is now a high school teacher. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. And it's like, imagine being in high school and your teacher is fucking Danny Torrance. How crazy <laughs> is that? And another weird thing that just is going to show how old this film is. Next year, Danny Lord is going to be 50 years old. Oh, no way. That's crazy. That's that's crazy. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. And so, from what I've heard, he, uh, from what I saw, he made a few films after The Shining, but took he retired in... Uh, uh, in the 80s when he was like a teenager and he only the only acting thing that he did after uh, he retired from acting was that he uh, he had a very small cameo in Doctor Sleep yeah I remember that yeah which which is nice that is nice yeah which uh, have you ever seen Doctor Sleep uh no I have not have you yeah it's okay <laughs> I I I mainly yeah. I enjoy all the scenes with Danny Torrance, but all the scenes with the villains are awful. Um, which I don't know. It's been I haven't seen Doctor yeah. Sleep since I saw it in the theater, so I might be misremembering some things. But I just remember it being just like everything with Danny's great, but everything else, no. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I'm probably gonna watch it at some point. Oh yeah, it's, I would say it's worth at least one watch. Yeah, I mean, just to, just to know what it's like. Yeah, like I know it's not gonna be as good as Shining, but of course not. No, just interesting to know. <laughs> so I think that's all. I had, yeah. That's all I had to say. Yeah, I think that's all. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. Yeah. So let's see. So that was uh, that, that was the shining. That was the shining. <laughs> um. All right. So, do you have anything else that you, that you wanted to talk about? Uh, unre- unrelated to the shining. Oh sure. Yeah. Um, I mainly wanted to talk about uh, I guess just some movies I've watched recently. 
So I've yeah. seen a good a good a good amount. Let's mm-hmm. see. Uh, I finally got to watch uh, Rashomon. Um, oh. Uh, by uh, by right. Kira Kurosawa, I watched it in my uh, in one of my film classes, and I I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I'll be I will probably be picking that up along with a uh, Tempopo in the next uh, Criterion sale. Um. Um. Well, I I actually watched that film like just a few weeks ago. Oh really? And uh, yeah, I watched it back in September and um, well I'll be honest I liked it but I think it's my least favorite film from uh, Akira Kurosawa how many have you seen but, and I've seen well I've only seen three I've seen that one Seven Samurai and uh, Throne of Blood mm. and uh, well so just to rank them uh, from least favorite to favorite it's Rashomon Throne of Blood and uh, Seven Samurai oh yeah Seven Samurai is still uh, much and- better <laughs> like let me let me yeah. let me clarify even though Rashomon's fantastic Seven Samurai is incredible like it's it's just it's, it's, Seven it's Samurai yeah Seven Samurai is a masterpiece and, oh like, for there's sure. no other way to say it <laughs> but I think the main thing uh, that didn't really click with um, with Rashomon was it's kind of lack of action scenes mm-hmm. that was what um that was what like very very much like separated it for me in terms of like this doesn't feel like yeah. the kurosawa that i know not that that's a bad thing mm-hmm. in a lot of respects oh no yeah but like uh, that's definitely yeah. one of the things that I like I, that i like the most about seven samurai is like just how amazing the the action scenes are and it just seemed a, a bit more well I don't like to say that words about movies that I, even though I love them, but like, uh, it felt a bit boring to me. I feel it. I can understand it's, that. Yeah. Unfortunately, but yeah. Uh, not not everything's gonna click do, for everybody. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Uh, but I do want to. I have very high hopes uh, to uh, about Yojimbo, which I plan to watch soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty good, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I really want to watch some more Akira Kurosawa because like he could definitely like easily become one of my favorite directors. Oh yeah. No, I plan to, I plan to collect his criterions and just keep watching. I have, I've had Ikiru yeah. for like the longest time and I still haven't watched it. Um, oh man. Yeah. But uh, uh, in terms of uh, th- movies I saw in the theater in the past week or so, I saw uh, I saw the new Ridley Scott movie, The Last mm-hmm. Duel, um, featuring Matt Damon and Adam Driver, right. as well as the is it female actress I cannot remember. That makes me angry that I forgot her name. <laughs> I have to I have to ask I have to ask Is it as boring as it looks in the trailers? Uh, her name's Jodie Comer, uh, but uh, okay. So, I'll be honest. I was fully yeah. expecting to be really bored during this movie. I was actually pleasantly surprised. Right. It was pretty entertaining. Okay. Yeah, it's All it's right. a good time. Like I, I don't think it's amazing or anything. It's not like a, it's it's not a movie that like mm-hmm. I'd watch like right now. Like, I'm okay with waiting a few months until right. it comes out. Uh, you know, it comes out on like streaming services and stuff to watch it again. But I, 
I enjoyed it. I did. Um, and I and I'd probably recommend it to anyone out there who wants to go see it because I'm not usually a fan of uh, of medieval settings. Usually that's not my cup of tea when it comes to fiction. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed the last duel. Uh, so you know it was it was a decent time. I also saw a uh, Dune, which I won't talk about too much because I know that you're seeing it soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we will talk about uh, we'll talk about Dune next time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um in terms of uh other yeah, right, yeah, go on. Yeah, I, I just have I have one more that I wanted to mention. Uh yeah, sure. Last night and I and I know you know this cuz I texted you about it. Uh but uh I watched for the first mm-hmm. time the entirety of yeah. uh, Cartoon Network's Over the Garden Wall. Which uh have you seen that? Uh, no, but I've heard a, a good deal about it. It is, like, pretty great. <laughs> yeah. It's, the way it, the way it, like, uh, I guess makes its, a uh, strange atmosphere kind of, uh, like, permeate throughout the entire series is really, really, uh, kind of amazing. And I think it's, I think it's a really good watch, and I really wish it was, uh, I guess actually, you know what? I'm fine with it not being talked about too much. I think I kind of like the fact that it's yeah, uh, kind of not not underground, but also not like talked about <laughs> like some of some other famous yeah. cartoon shows from the last like ten years. But I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but I haven't seen too many like amazing things recently. I am, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that French Dispatch and Last Night in Soho are are great. <laughs> yeah. uh, which I don't I don't doubt that they won't be. It's just I don't I don't like getting my hopes up about anything even if I know I'm going to like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh well uh, I'm not I I I'm sure I'm going to like uh Last Night in Seoul cuz like I'm my I think my brain is functioned to like anything that Edgar Wright's going to make. <laughs> So I'm not scared about that. Uh, and also, I've heard that the French Dispatch, most of the people who didn't like it say that uh, they feel like Wes Anderson is just... Um, he kind of like his... Uh, he's just doing Wes Anderson. He's getting trapped in his own style. Um, but I personally think that like the fact that a, uh, a, a director has a very, like... Um, how can I say? A very... Not obvious, but you know, a, a, a very visually present, yeah, like established, uh, established uh, filmmaking style, and the fact that he wants to keep going in that direction. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think so either. Uh, that's just him knowing. Yeah, that's just him knowing what he wants to do, knowing what he likes to do, and knowing what he knows uh, to do. I I and, really um, like. Uh, and this is kind of a side tangent. I really like the uh, yeah. like the maximalist direction he's been going in with his style recently, because um, like his his first yeah. like I would say up until at least Fantastic Mr. Fox, all of those movies are very kind of kind of close to their guns. They're not they're not too big. They're not too small. Uh, but like they're not they don't go too far into like. Uh, I guess grand adventures, but when you get to stuff like Fantastic Mr. Fox and especially Grand Budapest Hotel, mm-hmm. uh, you get these like, you get these movies yeah. that go like 
everywhere with with uh with this with the with the style with the locations with the actors it's kind of amazing and i i really can't wait because it's been since grand budapest hotel that we've had a live action anderson movie uh and i'm really excited to see how that goes (laughs) yep yeah it's well also like uh as I said, people uh, criticize him over his style, but the last time that they criticized him that much about his style was when he made The Grand Budapest Hotel, which uh, is my favorite Wes Anderson film. So, yeah. you know, if I, if I get a film like that, that just tells me that I'm going to get a film that I'm going to like the, the, the same way that I like The Grand Budapest Hotel. And from what I saw from the trailers, like... It definitely reminds me a lot of the Grand Budapest Hotel, so I'm very happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also a lot of the main cast, well, just in general, a lot of pe- a lot, a lot of the usual Wes Anderson cast that comes back, like Tilda Swinton, especially Bill Murray, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But there's also uh, Timothy, Timothy Chalamet, which I'm... Uh, I, th- I think, for my sake, I think he could, uh, he's gonna, he did a pretty good job. Yeah, I'm excited to but, I'm excited uh, to see Timothy yeah. in this in this one because mm-hmm. I liked him. I did like him in Dune. Yeah, it's a good month for him. It is. It's a very good month for him. <laughs> a very good month. Yeah, two major uh, two major films in the same month. Kind of similar to, and I wanted to come back related to uh, the last duel. Kind of similar to. Uh, Ridley Scott, who has another film coming out at the end of the year, mm-hmm. it's uh, House House of Gucci. Yes, is that it? House of yeah. Gucci, which I am also which, very excited yeah. to see. Uh, yeah, which is a film about um, it's a film about the cre- the creator of uh, Gucci, the the clothing brand, with Adam Driver and uh, Lady Gaga, mm-hmm. and it's like I saw. I, I remember when they they showed the the first pictures of the of the shoot with like those uh, <laughs> the, the the pictures of Adam Driver and Lady Gaga and those like extravagant like clothes and everything that I saw that and I thought oh my god this is gonna be a great film they look incredible in the trailer it is so yeah. oh my god I yeah. I love Adam Driver. <laughs> Oh, I don't know God, how dude. I don't know how There's... else to say it, but I think I think Adam Driver might be my favorite actor right now. <laughs> it's, I think he's just my favorite person. <laughs> like, like there's uh, there's this account on uh, on YouTube that like because a lot of times at night I'm gonna get lost in like uh, the YouTube shorts section. Yeah, I, I do like the same. quick videos to watch. And there's a, this channel that does a lot of shorts about just funny clips from Adam Driver. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, this guy, this guy is first of all so funny. And there's uh, there's a few clips of, from from him in like movies that are so funny, like one that was um, a film that he made with uh, Daniel Radcliffe, one of the first first films that he made after Harry Potter, where uh, I don't know I don't know the context to it, but he was just like. He just said, uh, I just had sex, and now I'm eating nachos. The greatest day of my yeah, life. I just had sex, and I'm about to eat nachos. Best day of my life. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. My fr- my <laughs> friends and I quote that all the time because I love it. Ah. Oh. Yeah. We also we have also you know been about the... we've also been quoting. Um, yeah. So I haven't seen it, but uh, uh, Adam Driver is in uh, Inside Llewellyn Davis. Um, and uh, he <laughs> for some reason like okay Adam Driver like I don't know the the role he has I just saw. There's a scene of him and Oscar Isaac, who plays Llewellyn Davis, uh, and another guy uh, recording a song. And, like, you know, Llewellyn Davis and the other guy, like, they're jamming out or whatever and singing. But then Adam Driver is just adding these, like, these uh, yeah. these weird ad-libs, like, here we go. Ten, nine, eight, seven, one, two, three. It's, like, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that's yeah. another movie I need to I see. I see soon. that one, too. I love that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Plus it's a uh, Coen Brothers. That's right. Yeah, I bet that, it's is, good. that is that was Coen yeah. Brothers. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so the first time that I saw Adam Driver uh, in a movie was, uh, well, like a lot of people, it was in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Of uh, course, that was my that was my and, first exposure. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, it's been what six years since uh, since Star Wars Seven, but. Mm-hmm. I, I don't quite remember his performance, especially since I haven't seen eight or nine, because I honestly do not give a shit about Star Wars. But uh, you don't have to. Eight, I rem- eight and nine are not good yeah. films. <laughs> yeah, especially nine. I, I, Jesus. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't remember a lot from uh, from his uh, performance. But uh, last year or. Two, I don't remember exactly when. When it came out, I watched uh, *Marriage Story* mm-hmm. two years ago. Um, two years ago, which uh, really showed me like just how good of an actor he can be. And it's uh, was actually the first time that I even heard about *Marriage Story* was through a clip that I saw on Twitter with him, just like um, when he kind of like snaps at. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was going to say Lady Gaga, but uh, when he snaps at. <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, that, that was and, the uh, that was the clip that made the rounds that made me go, "What is this?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I never heard about it, but I was like, "I don't know what what this is, but I have to watch it." And then I saw that it was on Netflix, and I watched it, and I had a great time. Yeah. Um, one of I'm trying to think, uh, especially relating to Star Wars uh, episodes eight and nine, he is like a shining light in those mm-hmm. movies. Whenever he shows up, it's like, oh, thank God you're here. Oh, that's good to hear. It's like, thank God you're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Adam Driver. He's a good actor. He, yeah, he continues, even in those movies, which are not good at all, he continues to have really good moments. Well, I feel like that's he's the kind of actor that, like, even if he knows that he's not in a good movie, he's going to try his best <laughs> to make the best performance. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, I feel like the best example of that is Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. which is like, he could play in the worst film in history, but he's going to try his best to make the best performance. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Fucking love Nicolas Cage. <laughs> but uh, it's also interesting how, like, Adam Driver used to be in the U.S. Navy. That's what? right. I forgot about that. Yeah, and he did, he did like, a, a, a TEDx about it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Apparently, um... This is really funny. Uh, one of my friends, uh, I don't know if this was his story or his friend's story, but I, all I remember is that uh, like someone, someone I know uh, was looking at uh, comics in a comic shop, 
uh, and just Adam Driver walked in. <laughs> and just, like, looked at comics and then just left. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was in the area for some Damn. movie that they were shooting. And, like, he just he just showed up. <laughs> showed up and looked through comics and left. And he was like, is that Adam yeah, Driver? Should, <laughs> oh, my God. I can't imagine, like, just, you know, doing yourself, like, living your life. And then just, a, like, a Hollywood celebrity comes in. Yeah, I, like... I don't know. I the only times I've ever met famous people was like at conventions, like like where you're where you're supposed to meet famous people. Like yeah, you, exactly. Where you walk up and get autographs mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah. But like other than that, it's like it's, it's I've never even never even had a, like an encounter. I don't think. Yeah. The only famous people that I've met are either YouTubers. Uh, or people like voice sectors or the kind of people that go at conventions mm. and uh, Quebec celebrities, which are like celebrities here, but <laughs> if you leave the province of Quebec, no one knows about them. <laughs> like especially, um, especially stand-up comedians, because like Quebec actually has a really good, uh, some some really good stand-up comedians. But besides that, kind of like not not that much stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, the only, I would say the only two like. Uh, celebrities I've met are voice actors. Uh, I met the uh, yeah. I met the voice actor for uh, Dutch in Red Dead Two, or and Red Dead One. Um, uh, Benjamin Byron Davis, very very nice man. He's very big, very tall. Oh, uh, oh, I think I I know him. Hold on, he's al- he's also a very nice man. <laughs> like very very yeah sweet. a lot a lot of them are yeah he uh he a lot of them are he, I walked up and he's like he was like what's your name son and I went uh, Alec and he went like the great Alec Guinness it's <laughs> 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 like yeah man <laughs> oh that's fucking funny <laughs> um I think the most uh famous people I met are. If we, if we think of YouTubers, I met like the um, you know the anime man. Uh, oh, you met the anime that's man. That's probably the, the most famous I met. Yeah, he went to a con back in 2016 uh, here in Montreal. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Aki Dearest, uh, really? which is his uh, girlfriend. They were oh. both together. And um, well, there's also another anime named Misty Cornexia, who's uh, uh, well, who's from here, and like he lives not too far from Montreal. So like. Uh, there's this convention called Otakuthon that is uh, every year, mm-hmm. and he kind of like oh, he's always there because so close to to his place. Like, why not be here? You know. Um, I've also met Dan Salvato, who is the creator really? of uh, Doki Doki Literature Club. That's awesome. And it's pretty <laughs> funny because like I, you know, I met him. I took a picture with him, and anytime I show this picture with him, they always say how like it looks like. He's the one meeting me, because because not not to like be be me, but like Dan Salvato is a pretty small man. Yeah, he's yeah, um, he's kind of yeah, yeah. I get it. And like, I'm not the best at, at doing like fake smiles, so I always look kind of like uh, I often look like I don't really want to be here, unfortunately. <laughs> and 
Uh, so it looks like I, I'm just like, uh, sure, I don't care. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm meeting this guy. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to put the picture on. on the, I'm going to try to find the picture and put it on the Please screen. Please do. That's like, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and in, t- in terms of voice actors, who have I uh, I met uh, Erica Lindbeck, who uh, is oh, the voice no of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, she, she's the voice of, I forgot the character's name in uh, Persona 5. She's, um, mm. Oh, the shoot. nerdy one. Oh, Futaba. Yeah, that's right. Futaba. Yes. I get some. I get uh, some of the names mixed up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, she was very nice. Um, if the only thing I had uh, for her, for her to sign was I I just bought a uh, the the first two volumes of Berserk. So I was like, would you sign my Berserk even though you weren't in it? And then she told me, oh no, I was in it. I wasn't the I wasn't the remake. And I was like, oh no. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my god! But then she was, she was really like, "Oh no, it's fine. Don't worry." Oh no! Because I don't think she had like that big of a role, so right. I, I it's I think she's fine if someone didn't know. <laughs> That's funny though. Um, yeah. The only other voice I'd actor. Love to it, I, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I'd love to meet anyone from Critical Role. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'd like, like that. Matt Mercer or uh, or Laura Bailey or anyone. That would be great. I met uh, at the most recent uh, Colossal Con. I met uh, I met a uh, oh, what's his name? Billy Kamets, uh, who is the uh, he's a he's mainly just like a, a you know a anime dub actor. He dubbed uh, he was the uh, voice of the main character from uh, Promare. Uh, he oh okay he voiced the he voiced um, a character in Persona Five Royal named uh, Maruki. Very prominent role in that one. He's also the uh, English voice of uh, Josuke from Part Four of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's he's cool. no, he's a very good man. I, I I have a picture of him, which I can. I have a picture of him and me, and I'm dressed up like a uh, like Maruki. I'll send it. I'll send it to this to this Discord chat, and you can put you it up as well. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, I remember the my first convention I ever went to, which is also the one where I met. Uh, the anime man. I almost met, and I, I'm still kind of like disappointed that I uh, ended up not meeting him. But I almost met uh, Takeshi Obata, who is the illustrator for Death Note. Oh, that would have been cool. <laughs> but the reason why I didn't meet him is because I I didn't have the time, and instead I decided to go meet a another voice actress whose name is. Uh, hold on, let me just. Look up just to be sure. Her name is Karen Strassman, and Who? she is name? non the the main Karen Strassman. Okay. And uh, the only reason why I knew her is because she did a voice in uh, uh, Persona Four, because uh, that was actually before Persona Five came out. What was uh, uh, she wh- did a voice wh- in Persona Four? Who she voice? It was. Uh, he, she voiced the character of Nanako. Really? Is a, oh. To give some context, is a five-year-old girl who is voiced <laughs> by a forty-something-year-old uh, woman. Oh, that's and we awesome! Asked her, like, we asked her, "Could you do the voice?" <laughs> it was the funniest thing because it's like just her talking with like a normal, a normal voice you'd expect from a forty-year-old woman. And then she just this like this really realistic like five year old voice. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> I've actually got a good uh, funny story about her. She was like literally one of the nicest person I've ever met. And like um, 
we were me and my brother we were uh waiting for uh uh for, for her to come because she wasn't there yet uh there was like a big line of uh, line, line of people waiting and we just uh we we're waiting and there was just this person that was there and was like um, i'm sorry can i just uh take your place and we were like, wait, what the fuck? Like she, uh, she wanted us to like uh, switch places for the, uh, for the line because she wanted to to meet her sooner. And I was like, that's kind of a dick move to do. And then the more I looked at her, the more I was like, wait, hold on. And it was Karen Strassman. Oh, that was just like goofing around. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and she, uh, we realized it was like, oh shit. And then she just went and like talked a bit uh, as she walked through the line, talked a bit with the the people, and then went to her seat and then started to actually uh, meet them. And then we got to her and we, he, she was just like, hey, I know you guys. <laughs> she was, she was the best. That's so fun. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. Very so last person that I oh yeah yeah go ahead uh, the only other person that I remember meeting is Callie Burt who mm. uh, is the the guy who's known for doing the famous next time on Dragon Ball Z really that's awesome and, uh, <laughs> yeah which again very nice man because apparently that's a thing that voice actors have to be the nicest people on earth <laughs> but. Uh, I think he also did like uh, another voice in Dragon Ball, but I don't know which one. Mm. But yeah, the uh, very very quick ad- addendum to the whole uh, Billy Kamets thing. Uh, when I when I walked up dressed as a uh, Maruki, he was very surprised because obviously this was one of the first conventions uh, since uh, the pandemic, and uh, uh, Persona yeah, Five Royal right. was released during the pandemic in in America. So he told me, he was like, you might be the first person cosplaying Maruki that I've seen, which was a big honor. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But no, he's, he's also a very nice man. They're all, they're all very nice people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would, love to, I would love to meet more voice actors. I think they're, I think they're great. <laughs> oh, there's also, last thing I had to, to add for that. Oh, for sure. Uh, I, when I listed my category of people that I met, I I forgot one category ca- category which uh, was very really fun at conventions. I've met a lot of Japanese musicians. Really? Because at the convention that at the convention that I go to, there's always like one or two musical guests that that come to do concerts. Uh, and I've met like some really good bands. Some some bands that I really like. Um, I've been one. That, that's more uh, my one of my brother's favorite band, but uh, a band called Fana, uh, which made the both openings for uh, Dragon Maid, mm. and uh, it's uh, like I remember the, the singer has like the, the singer for that band has a very like high voice, and uh, we went to a Q and A with them, and she started talking. When it, when she started talking, what everyone was like, "Oh shit, she talks like that." <laughs> Um, um, and the funny thing too is, uh, my brother, uh, w- whenever he meets someone, he's got like a, an autograph book, which is actually a death note. <laughs> and, uh, it's always funny to know like who's going to get it and who's not going to, going to get it. And I think they had the best reaction cause she, uh, he gave them, uh, gave, gave it to them and they were all like, Oh shit. And they were like, Oh, that's so, you know, that's so like, funny. Reaction. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. 
Oh, and, and but I think in terms of uh, the concert, the best one I saw is I I was lucky enough to go to a concert of my favorite Japanese singer, who is uh, Leah, who mm. is um, the singer who made most openings for uh, um, for, for the the key animes like Kalana and Angel Beats that ah, kind of stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she did like uh, my soul, your beats, which is so good. But yeah, <laughs> there was um, you just you just awakened another memory of a, I guess a, a Japanese band that I've kind of met. It was not, it wasn't formal or anything, but uh, okay. At uh, at a uh, at Colossal Con this year, there was a band uh, performing named uh, Kaza, and they are a uh, uh, they are you know they're <laughs> they're a Japanese uh, they're like a J rock band, and they're pretty fun. Uh, they <laughs> they yeah. did a whole set and it was really kind of it was cool. Um, and later that night uh, at the at the convention center, there was a uh, uh, in the same like room that they uh, or the same like stage area that they performed at. There was like a very small get together of people uh, to do like a, a a live watching of uh, the first few episodes of the Fruit Basket uh, remake anime. And I was just kind of, I was, I was hanging out around the convention center. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll go to this. I'll just hang out. And I was, I was sitting more up against the wall, uh, charging my phone. And before I knew it, uh, like <laughs> three people walked past me, uh, and I like looked up at them. You know, I like I waved, and they waved back and smiled. And I was just, I went back to like looking at the screen, and I just went, oh wait a minute, that was oh. the band. <laughs> I was like, that was the people who were just on stage like an hour ago. <laughs> I feel like I have, I don't, that's the weird thing where I don't remember if it was uh, a memory that I had or if it was a memory that I heard from someone, but I have a memory of being at that con and uh, having like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember it was, again, my first con where I, the band that year was back on, uh, which is the band that made the, um, the, at least the song that I know the most from them is the 16th opening of Fairy Tale, uh, which is called Stride Back, very good opening, mm-hmm. and um after the after the concert was done, we were kind of like a bunch a bunch of people hanging out, just being like, "All right, so what do we do next?" And uh, we were waiting for waiting for some people in the bathroom. And uh, when we were waiting, the singer for uh, uh, for back on just went like right next to us because he went to the bathroom, <laughs> and it was, we were kind of like, "Oh shit, that's the singer from back on." <laughs> that's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, conventions, man, they're so fun. No, conventions are great. I, I'm, I'm gonna make going to Colossal Con a yearly thing, because that's like it's semi close to where I live, mm-hmm. and like you know I can, I can visit like family who's yeah. in the area. It's just, it's 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 you know it's convenient. But I want to go to, uh, I yeah. haven't gone since 2019, but I want to go to um, uh, Detroit's Comic Con again, uh, Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, because uh, that was that was decently fun last time I went. Um, but yeah, I want to go to more. I want to go to more cons, but I never know where to go. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, Otakuthon was a yearly thing for me, uh, but since the pandemic, uh, the two thousand, the twenty twenty and the twenty twenty one conventions were like on, both online, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Cause like I I don't think um, 
that there there were any like conventions since the pandemic, unlike in the U.S. Yeah, I was very uh, surprised and... that they were holding Colossal Con, and it was yeah. mostly it was mostly unmasked. Um, the only that's mm, it, it was that's weird. it was a bit weird. Uh, everything seemed fine though. I, from from what I know, nobody got sick. Um, the only place where I had to okay. wear a mask was uh, when I met uh, Billy Kamets. Uh, which makes sense. Fair it was enough. it was it was like a very because like most of Colossicon was pretty open. Like there wasn't a whole lot of cramped spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the room where we met Billy was very cramped. <laughs> right. So uh-huh. I understand that. Yeah. I <laughs> I remember walking in with my mask and I was just like, oh, that's what's going on. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that's definitely. I want to go to more cons because oh, yeah. Otakuthon is the only con that I've ever been to, and uh, like it's a really, really good convention. But I'd like to to see more stuff. But unfortunately, here in Quebec, like that's pretty much the biggest. There's also the Montreal Comic Con, but like I feel like Comic Con is not as much my thing. It's very like it's a very big convention. And I feel like it would be too crowded for me. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not totally my thing either. Yeah. I just I go usually like just, because like yeah. I have I have friends who are into it. Um uh but they have they have stuff that I'm usually interested like they'll have anime stuff laying around and I'm like, "Oh, I'll go check this out." Yeah. <laughs> mhm. But and also the thing that I don't like is how like uh Comic-Con unlike uh Otaku-Than, it makes and a lot of anime convention, it makes you pay to meet people. Which I think it's kind of stupid. It is stupid. I will, uh, especially, I will say it's like, yeah. I get it kinda for like some of the stuff. Like, uh, I don't get it to like pay to meet people. That doesn't make any sense. Paying for autographs though, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, I think at least, at least in at least in a convention setting. And well, it makes sense, but I think it's stupid. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. It it, it, like, it is like it is very yeah. weird where like. It'll be like uh, pay uh, pay like ten bucks. You'll get like a little a little uh, picture that you can you know pick up and you can uh, you know get them to sign it for you. Uh, and then like later that day, I'll be walking around the convention and like like at ColossalCon, Billy Camus just like walked right by me. It was hilarious. So I was just like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that like, stuff's funny. I've never I've never been. Yeah, I've never been to Comic Con, but every year there's uh, I I look at the guest list and there's always a few guests and they're like, oh, I'd like to meet them, and there's always at least like one big guest. Like I, I remember a few years ago it was uh, Mark Hamill. Yeah. Uh, and um, well, oh, what was that? Oh yeah, I heard also that because I, I said at some point in another episode that this year I got way into Doctor Who and there's a few Doctor Who actors that I've heard came here a few years ago and I was like, man, I wish I could have seen them. <laughs> also, the, the entire cast of Ruby, uh, not, the, not the entire cast, but the four main girls uh, came, came here and I was like, oh, that would that, that would have been cool. Oh, yeah, that would have been neat. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, conventions, they're cool. Conventions are cool, and I would, I I, would, I can't wait to go to another. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, another, I guess this is this is like going on a tangent again. 
Um, yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. another thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the uh, the announcement of the new Criterion releases for January. Which I, which uh, I, don't, know if you, I don't know if you saw those or not. When when did they announce it? Uh, back on the fifteenth uh, of October. I probably saw it. I just don't remember. <laughs> uh, well, no, I know I saw it, but I don't. I don't remember what they were. Right. I only remember a couple because I was like really into a couple of those announcements. I was like, yes. Um, but uh, hold on. Let me let me find the announcement. But uh, I can I can read off the the five that were announced. Oh, all right. Um, so the first one is uh, The Celebration uh, by Thomas Vinterberg, which is uh, a, oh, yeah, a right. very uh, prominent film in the Danish uh, Dogma 90, 95 movement. Uh, and I really like, I really like the, uh, the packaging on it because it's really uh, minimalist uh, and doesn't like, have mm-hmm. too much to it, which is the entirety of the whole Dogma 95 movement. So I like that whole thing. Um, I think well, that, right. I think it's neat. I don't know if I'm I'll gonna pick be it honest, up, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't know what the Dogma ninety five ninety five thing is. Like I'd never heard of it until, or maybe I'd heard of it, but I, I don't know what it is. Okay, so could you please explain it to me? Yeah, I have a very loose grasp of it because I kind of we kind of skimmed over it in one of my film classes a while back, but um, it was basically just a. You still know about it than me. It was, <laughs> it was a movement. Um, Obviously, uh, from from the Danish, where they were just like, uh, you know, <laughs> we're just gonna make movies, uh, but we're gonna go as minimalist as possible. None of this has to be anything like too crazy. So they literally like would shoot mm. movies on like terrible cameras with like little to no budget. <laughs> um, and right. the whole the whole the whole point of it was to go against the grain of like movies needing a big budget or anything like that. Um, right. So it's kind of fa- it's kind of fascinating, and I'll I might pick it up. I don't know. It might be kind of a blind buy thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. But the next film that was uh, announced was an- another uh, twenty twenty film, uh, Time, by Garrett Bradley, which I had not oh, I yeah. had not heard about uh, until this announcement. Same. Uh, but I might check it out. Um, mm-hmm. The next announcement was a a four K upgrade for. Beatles, A Hard Day's Night. Yeah. Uh, which I will not be picking up because I already own the Blu-ray for Hard Day's Night. But I think that's pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Because um, I uh, I saw it a few months ago. And when they announced the the, the first list of 4K films that they, they were going to... Uh, they they were gonna release. I was kind of like most of them. Like Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane makes sense. Yeah. The Red Shoes makes a lot of sense. Um, I saw the Hard Days. It's Hard Days. I was like kind of confused as <laughs> to why this film specifically. Yeah. Like I feel especially in the Criterion Collection, there's a, a, a lot more films that deserve a 4K version. I'm okay with it. I think it's mainly because they still have rights to distribute uh Hard Days Night. So when when um the 4K yeah. restoration was created, they were probably just like, "Ah, oh, we can just release it." I'm assuming that's going to happen a lot for some of the other films in their collection. Makes sense. Um but the next film that right. was announced was actually another 2020 movie, another one that I'm actually very interested in watching. Uh and I've been interested in it for a while. Uh Dick Johnson is dead. 
by Kirsten Johnson, which is a documentary uh, where she tries to uh, she tries to kind of get over or she tries to process her her father's like pretty pretty upcoming death just by cinematically killing her father in many different ways. Um, so I'm very interested to watch that. It's a, it's another huh. it's another Netflix original, so it's another Netflix film being added to the collection. Um, but I'm interested in watching it. And I will probably pick up the Criterion release of it when it releases. Um, yeah, um, I didn't know about this film until it was announced. Uh, it's, it seems very interesting. It seems it and seems just fun. Looking at the yeah, <laughs> looking looking at some of the visual, it seems. Yeah, it seems fun. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really interested in it. Um, yeah. And the final film uh, of the January releases is uh, The Piano by, uh, I believe, this yep. is, uh, by Jane Ca- Campion. I think that's how you say it. Campion. Yeah. Uh, from what year is that? 1993. Um, yep. I'll be honest, I'm not exactly interested in this one. Uh, oh, yeah? I, I mean, I'll probably watch it. I don't know if I'll buy it. From Criterion, I'll probably just end up watching it on mm-hmm. whatever streaming service it's, it's available on. But uh, interestingly enough, this will also be released uh, with a 4K version. Unlike mm-hmm. unlike most of the other films that were announced this time around. Right. Uh, but yeah, that was oh, yeah. that was uh, the Criterion's announcement for January releases. And this month, obviously... Yeah. Or I guess, no, actually no. Next month, obviously, uh, is the month of 4K releases. Hmm. It's also the month of the. Uh, this is the month uh... of the big November sale. <laughs> oh yeah, of course they're gonna make all their uh, big releases for November, so people are gonna buy it in the sale. There's so many people that are gonna buy Citizen Kane. I will. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I mean, me too. Yeah. Like, okay, I, that was another uh, thing I wanted yeah. to talk about was uh, our possible pickups mm-hmm. for the uh, for the um, the November sale. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously I've already said it before. I'm going to be picking up most of the 4K releases. The only one I'm kind of shaky on is uh, Menace to Society. Um, but I might if I have some if I if I have money left over at that point I will. Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, mm. in terms of regular Blu-rays I want to pick up, I want to pick up, uh, Onibaba for sure, uh, Tempopo, um, what's the other one? The other one that I just talked about earlier that I have set up uh, to pick up. Um, um, the Kurosawa one. Rashomon, that's it. Rashomon, Thank yay. You. I only had Sanjiro in my head. What's that? I only had uh, Sanjiro in my head. Oh, yeah. I want to pick up Yojimbo and Sanjiro as well. Um, Me too. But uh, I also want to pick up... This is going to be a completely blind buy on my end. I want to pick up a movie called uh, Throwdown. um, Because it looks interesting. (laughs) Uh, Throwdown. And and I'm debating on whether or not I want to get Salo. I might bite the bullet and (laughs) get it. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So I'll, I I'll let I'll let this I'll let you know. <laughs> I don't want to. I I mean I personally really don't want to like blind buy this film. Like the day that I'm gonna buy this film is 
like if I've seen it before and think, yeah, like I'd like to own it. <laughs> I uh, in I don't know. In my eyes, it's just it's it's one of the Criterion films that you gotta you gotta pick up. It's it seems like one of the more infamous ones. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I just I'm interested. Well, it is. <laughs> it is worth mentioning because it's the only film in the entire Criterion Collection, in the entire like over a thousand films that has a sticker of like uh, content warning. It's also the only the only Criterion film, uh, in, to, in, in to my knowledge, that is still being actively banned places. <laughs> Probably is. Yeah. No, it is. It's a. Uh, I remember there was a post on the subreddit not too long yeah. ago that said uh, that Salo uh, got banned from their uh, library. <laughs> um. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, sure. That doesn't really surprise me. It doesn't surprise me either. But, like, um, yeah. I'm debating on whether or not I want to get another box set. And by box set, I mean, like, a smaller one, like Samurai Trilogy or Decalogue, maybe. I don't know. I'm more. I'm more. I'm more yeah. keeping that to to how much money I'll have around the time of the sale. <laughs> like the, the foreshore. I'm, the foreshore pickups yeah. are Tampopo, Onibaba, uh, Throwdown, and the 4K ones. Um, Rashomon and Salo are kind of yeah, a secondary. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested in at least watching Decalogue, but. Uh, a few months ago for one of my classes I had to watch uh, Blue from the Three Color Trilogy which is by the same director yeah and uh, I thought I, I thought it was very boring really okay so I don't know I think that kind of movie just isn't my thing and I kind of don't don't want to spend a lot of money in a 10 hour long thing <laughs> that's fair uh, only to be disappointed by it I have um, I have uh, I have three colors over there on the shelf and I still haven't watched it so I will get back to you on what I think about yeah. that that's I think November because yeah. October this month was kind of my month of watching as many uh, horror movies that I've wanted to watch as I can but November is going to be Fair enough November is going to be my criterion catch up month because I have a, a, a few sitting on my shelf that I still haven't watched yeah um, mm-hmm. but yeah that's kind of it for me on my pickups I guess um ah shit Hold on, let me just look at my wish list real quick just to see if there's any, like, obvious ones. Well, so I know that I want to get uh, Yoji Bo and Sanjuro because I almost got that last sale. Yeah. Um, there's also, uh, I mentioned it earlier in, an, in, a, in another episode, but there's Eyes Without a Face and Brazil, which are two films that I've been thinking about getting uh, for a while. There's also Good Morning by uh, Yasujiro Ozu, which oh, I yeah. saw recently and thought uh, it's a very nice film. <laughs> um, there's well, obviously I'm gonna get at least one Wes Anderson because I kind of have to. Right. Um, the only reason I'm not is because I have all of them. F- <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Um, the. There's a few like, uh, for example, Stalker or Eight and a Half, which I think are like films that I have to watch at some point in my life. Yeah, if, so I might get them just so I can. If I could recommend mm-hmm. one to you, I would recommend picking up a uh, Solaris by Tarkovsky. I knew you were going to say that. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, because because uh, we were talking about uh, Tarkovsky, and I remember you telling me that you uh, you saw it like this summer, I think. Yeah, Solaris is only a movie that like grows on me the more I talk, the more I think about it. Like it's mm, it is so yeah. it it's just it's just brilliant. <laughs> that's like the only like every. <laughs> Everything about it makes me think, like, you know what? Yeah, that's kind of amazing. <laughs> um, hold on. What else do I have? So, yeah, if, that's a, if, if there's a blind buy you're wanting to make, I recommend Solaris. Yeah. I might get it. <laughs> I trust you and get it. <laughs> it's up to uh, you. you. But if I don't like it. Do you like, do you like extreme slow burns? Well, that's the thing is like that kind of scares me about Tarkovsky is I yeah. don't know if uh, I would say I would try I would try maybe testing yeah. it out on the Criterion channel like maybe not just Solaris well, yeah, but I like d- test out like one of his other movies or something to see if you like it because that was another yeah, that was another thing I'm probably with me gonna and watch Tarkovsky. Uh, that was another mm-hmm. thing with me and Tarkovsky was that I just I tried it out and I'm glad that it clicked. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I was almost afraid that it wouldn't. It might click with me. It might, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I don't think it wouldn't. I'm just I'm saying it's it's one of those things that you yeah. have to be sure of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm probably gonna watch Stalker in the in the channel. Uh, yeah, uh, Shalara is probably isn't gonna be a uh, a blind buy. Yeah. Oh, there's uh there's the red shoes. Oh, that's another one yep. that I know I'm gonna get. Yeah. Uh. I've already talked about uh, about that earlier, but I'm not gonna get the 4K version because right. I, one, I don't have uh, a 4K player. So first of all, that would be very useless. Two, I don't have the money, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are expensive. Yeah, I like the only reason I'm getting the 4K releases is mainly because I have mm-hmm. a, I have my PS5, which I can play them. But like the only reason I probably won't be watching them yeah. right away is because I don't. Half a 4K TV. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's like the uh, that's like the one thing mm-hmm. I'm wanting to get like soon, like the one big thing. I mean, like I don't even I don't even want to replace my computer and monitors. I just want to get a 4K TV. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't have much money, so that's hard. <laughs> I definitely won't have yeah. much money after the sale. That's for sure. Hmm. Uh, and then just to finish what I was talking about for my, uh, wish list, mm. I am probably going to get an Eclipse, either, uh, the first films of Kurosawa, uh, post, uh, no, not that one, uh, late Ozu or, uh, Agnes Varda in California. Mm. I think... And those are the three ones yeah. that interest me. You, you saying that makes me remember that I should probably pick up uh, post-war Kurosawa because I already have the first films, uh, and I probably it'd just be yeah. it'd be neat to complete my little Kurosawa mm-hmm. Eclipse collection. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, and I'm I, I'm gonna get a I'm, I know I'm gonna get a blind buy. Just I'm just not sure which one. Mm-hmm. I might get do the right thing. Oh, have you never seen Do uh, the Right Thing? Because the I have not. Ooh, I haven't seen it. That's a good blind buy. <laughs> yeah, I get. I think if I'm gonna get a blind buy, I'm either gonna get that one or Blue Velvet. Oh, Blue Velvet's really good too. They're just they're I th- yeah, all good I choices. Think, 
Yeah, I think those are the two blind buys that I'm the most interested about. Um, I'm, but you know the the sale is next month, so we'll see. Um. Oh yeah. Also, I had um while we were talking about the new releases, I had an idea for a conversation that I, I think would be interesting. Do you have any films, any wish lists for the Criterion Collection that, you know, films that aren't in the collection, but you, you want them to be added? Ooh. Uh, I remember I was thinking about this a while back. Um, mm. Obviously, and I think this is like, I don't know, like the fifth episode we've talked about this, the Satoshi Kon blue, blue, sure. uh, Satoshi Kon set would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> we have talked so much about Satoshi Kong. It's just, yeah. It, it, like, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I remember I... That's definitely something that I didn't expect. Yeah. I wrote it down somewhere, but I don't remember where. <laughs> um... <laughs> uh... Oh, yeah, okay. I would like Old Boy, but I know that Arrow Video has kind of a stranglehold on the Vengeance trilogy. Yeah. Um, so that might not be a thing. Um, the social network would be interesting. <laughs> I the social network is another one that I want because, like, you know, obviously I'm a big David Fincher yeah. fan. I've I've made that clear early, earlier, but and I feel like if one of his films had to be added in the collection, it would it would be uh, probably Social Network. Yeah. Um, I will say honestly, uh, the social the social networks makes more sense in the, in the collection than Benjamin Button. <laughs> it does make like, sense. It makes a lot more sense. Which is, is, is such a weird, <laughs> like, criterion. <laughs> um, um, the other, the only, the only other one, the only other one that, uh, I guess, like, keeps running through my mind is I think it'd be, I think it'd be neat mm-hmm. to have a La La Land release. Maybe. Maybe, uh, sure. maybe a few more A twenty. I don't. Maybe see. a few more twenty A twenty four releases now that Uncut Gems is oh, in the collection. That, yes, yes. Uh, well, I mean, it only makes sense. Like, I was so surprised when I heard that like Uncut Gems was the first A twenty four film in the collection. Oh yeah, Lighthouse and Uncut L- Lighthouse in the in A uh, uh, in Criterion would just be perfect. Light- Lighthouse would be a good choice. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, but what are some of yours? Um, yeah, for me, uh, well, obviously I'd want um, another Bong Joon Ho films. Oh yeah, like obviously they've added Parasite and uh, uh, Memories of Murder, like quite recently for both of them. But I think all of his films deserve it, and we've talked about this recently. How I had a really good time with the host, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like that would be the only way. That I could get a uh, either either a Blu-ray or even just a DVD of the holes because like doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to really be like available here. Um, yeah, the the holes would be cool, but even his other ones, even those that I haven't seen, like Mother, that'd be cool. Um, obviously, I'd want uh, the the Satoshi Kon one too, but just in general, just more animation. Yeah, and I feel like in terms of animation, uh, anime probably is uh, the best direction to go to. Uh, just because there's so much good stuff. 
Um, oh, what was the other one? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, Isle of Dogs. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> would make sense. Like, well, I mean, they're going to... They're they're gonna release it at some point. Yeah, because don't they have don't uh, they have just, a uh, like a thing with Wes Anderson where they'll release all of his movies at one point? Because they have all of them up to. I don't know about. They have all of them up to well, Grand yeah, Budapest. I, I don't know if they have some kind of like contract, but uh, I mean, it only makes sense because like they've got all of his films, yeah. like literally all of his films, <laughs> b- besides Isle of Dogs and obviously the French Dispatch. Mm-hmm. Um. Hold on. Let me see. I know there's more. Well, once it, it will, uh, a bit after it comes out, uh, if the film is like, uh, that, that would depend of of what the film ends up being. But last night in Soho, like that would be cool. <laughs> so Edgar Wright. Also, because yeah, well, yeah. It's like Edgar Wright. Uh, doesn't have any film in the, in the collection because you know he doesn't have the kind of films that uh, really would be in the collection. But I feel like Last Night in Soul probably w- would be the, the the best one to be in the collection from what I've seen. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the first uh, 2021 film will be in the collection because um, the first oh fuck what's the stupid what's the stupid answer to the that stupid answer. Um, <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> oh, it would be uh, a trilogy for the what's the name of the oh, Fear Street, uh, the Netflix. <laughs> no, what's the name of the Netflix films? The trilogy, uh, the Kissing Booth. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a box set of uh, the uh, the three films of the Kissing Booth. <laughs> that would honestly. Oh no, it's gonna be Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, Better Dear Evan. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. <laughs> but an, an actual and better answer for that, uh, not for the 2021. But I'd like. I've already talked about Bong Joon Ho. I'd like just more South Korean films. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. Because like there, I mean, Memories of Murder and Parasite. From what I know, I think. Let me double check that. But I think they're the only. Uh, South Korean films in the collection. There has to be like one more, I'm sure. I'm sure there's like, yeah, one more that we just don't know about. There, because I, well, I, I, at least I hope, but like, um, hold on, let's see. Oh yeah, all right. There's two more. There's uh, uh Secret Sunshine, which uh, I've I know I've seen the. Um, I know I've seen the, the 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 cover before, but I don't know what it's about. And there's also the housemaid, which is a film from a uh, um like the what's it called the 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 Martin Scorsese World Cinema Project. I figured that it 